When you know what you want for the future, you need the present to line up with your goals. UCF Online offers more than 100 fully online programs in healthcare, engineering, criminal justice, and more. So you can get to your future and beyond. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning. And the University of Louisville's Delphi Center for Teaching and Learning. I am Tom Cavanaugh. And I am Kelvin Thompson. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hello again, Kelvin. Hello again, Tom. Uh, last time I saw you, I was in the same room with you or a simulacrum. <laughs> it was my uh, my yeah my clone that I send to conferences to do podcasts and presentations and while I stay Ooh, home. You could patent that now, yeah. conference clone. That could happen. You could do that. It, Get it on there now. I like to think it's a much more interesting version of me than I actually am. Con- <laughs> conference Tom, I ship out and drop him off at the airport, and he goes out. And, you know, has a good time. He can stay up later than I can. Hmm. Yeah, and now there's a whole other, like, being replaced by an artificial life form, the threat's real. There's a, now I need to go back and see that. What was that, wasn't there like a Michael Keaton movie or something where he's yes. got all these clones? I think know, it was called like uh, Multiplicity or something. Something like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he clones himself, <laughs> and the the one that's a copy of a copy of a copy is named Steve, and it's he's a poor quality <laughs> He's got mental challenges. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah, yeah, that's an older movie, but it's probably yeah. worth a, a rewatch in this artificial intelligence. It age. is. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'll, I for one welcome our robot overlords. That's right. Just Ooh, for the record, vintage Pulp Fiction um, deep cut shout out. Now, uh, when I was a kid, I read this Pulp Fiction novel that was probably um, uh, more advanced. Uh, subject matter for my young years. It was called, I don't remember the author's name, but it's called The Duplicated Man. And it's basically that premise. It's in the future and you get these these um, duplicates, but the duplicates are informed by other people's perception of the actual person. So it's kind of like a, you know, different angle on the, per- it's, you know, I don't think it was that good of a book, but I've always remembered it for some reason. So maybe the people who did multiplicity, they probably you know, stole it. Yeah, game. send us, drop us a note if you, uh, if you know either the movie or that book. That's right, there you go. And but that's maybe, not why we're here. No, next time we see you, we'll give you a, a sticker, device sticker. Why are we here, Kelvin? To, to drink coffee, right? And to uh, commiserate. That's yeah. right. That's right. I got my eighty, my, my newest first use of my '80s coffee mug. Oh wow! It's got all these little, little, uh, you know, '80s icon things on there from 1980 to 1989. Wow! That was MTV my... debuted in 1981. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Uh, radio killed the video, video killed the radio star, right? Wasn't that the first video that they played? Oh, that sounds right. That sounds mm-hmm. right. Uh, it's all kind of thing. 1982, ET phones home. Says it right here on my mug. Good to know. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. This is the 80s podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So what's in but, that 80s mug? Uh, in my 80s mug, uh, Tom, is some is some flashback Panera coffee. I don't think I've had any Panera coffee since I was in uh, Orlando, and we had an event uh, down the hall from my office here earlier today. Uh, the packaged up. 
Panera is right over my shoulder here if you're watching the, the video recording, much to producer Tim's chagrin. Get that, <laughs> that product placement out of the shot. Like, but Tim, that's part of my shtick. And uh, I thought that uh, the packaged up Panera flashback coffee might not be a bad choice for today's episode. Uh, so you'll have to see if you can find a connection there. What are you drinking and can I find a connection in your cup? Um, I am done with what I was drinking, so it's gone at this point, but um, mm. it was um, <laughs> it was nothing special. It was uh, <laughs> it was a Dunkin' um, a pumpkin spice latte flavor. Again with the pumpkin spice. Again Actually, not latte. Spice. Yeah, but it was pumpkin spice. Yeah. It is the time of year, Kelvin. Yeah, um, I guess so. But, so that's not thematic for me, mm. it, but mm -hmm. yours, so... Maybe something in the word packaged. You said it twice. Mm -hmm. um, we are going to be talking about a comprehensive package of things today. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe something there feels like a bit of a stretch, though. And and the flashback. And the flash. And you did the, say flashback. And the, and yeah, the in eighties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so maybe flashback. Not, maybe not maybe. so much the eighties, but the flashback. I, I get the. Maybe uh, I get the flashback. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. See what you got. All right, so um, the flashback is because you were talking to an old colleague of ours that used to work with us. Yes, that's exactly right. All right. That's exactly okay. right. So should I should I inform yeah. our listening uh, and do. potentially viewing audience? If anybody's so, still listening to us, blah blah blah. If you've made away. it this far, <laughs> you, you're in for a treat. <laughs> because Kelvin, you recently interviewed our colleague, Dr. Safari Wambaleka. And Safari is currently an associate professor of leadership in higher education at Bethel University in Minnesota. Previously, he held administrative leadership positions at Adventist University of Africa and has worked and taught at several other institutions around the world. I know in the Philippines as well. Mm -hmm. He has spoken at more than 100 conferences in more than 20 countries and has published more than 80 books, chapters and journal articles. He is also, by coincidence, the lead editor of the forthcoming book, Sage Handbook of Online Higher Education, which may be relevant to today's conversation. In, indeed, indeed so, indeed so. Yeah. Safari is a great colleague. We actually, uh, I sent him a link. Uh, we actually mentioned Safari back in episode number seven, because we are drinking some coffee from the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, which is where Safari is born. We make mention of that in the, in the show, uh, uh, in the interview recording. We'll put a link in the show notes, uh, which was, I think, our, I think that was our first Topcast Live, uh, actually. Oh. It was episode number seven back in 2015. How about if that? If you say so, I believe yeah. you. Yeah. That's right. So is there anything you want to say about the interview, maybe besides that, uh, before we yeah, jump to it? Safari's great. Uh, you know, if you ever get a chance, talk to the guy, uh, read his stuff, uh, invite him uh, to speak. Uh, what a what a wonderful, you know, I call him Dr. Dr. Wambaleka, right? Because he's got a PhD, EDD. I mean, how smart is this guy, you know? Yeah. Well, um, also one of the nicest, most knowledgeable guys you're going to want to talk to. Absolutely. Um, but um, we don't really explicitly mention it in the interview. I was trying to stay on the, the other side of the mic, but I'm a co-editor on the, the book as well uh, with our colleague Lenny Casimiro from the Philippines, try to have a rounded it out um, global um, editorial 
uh, team, and uh, I would try to sell you the book anyway, but the reality is, as an editor, if somebody buys a book, I eventually get like a percentage of 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 uh, a penny or something. Uh, <laughs> so I wouldn't want you to think I don't, but I would sell you the book even if I didn't, because I think it's a good product. Agreed, yes. As somebody who doesn't make a dime off the book, but who contributed <laughs> to it, uh, I agree. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's well, well worth a read. So with mm -hmm. that and the magic of podcast time travel, here is your interview with Dr. Safari Wambaleka. Hi, Safari. So glad to see you and have you on TopCast today. It's my pleasure to be here, Calvin. It's so good to see you after so much time uh, over the years. <laughs> yes, likewise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think we've actually talked about you before on, um, on the podcast. You know, we do this little coffee connection thing, and I think at one point, um, I think I brought in some coffee... Uh, from the Democratic Republic of, of Congo, and I oh. think your I think your name came up. I, oh I wow, so. that's quite interesting because yeah. indeed I, I was uh, born in uh, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, so that's quite interesting that you yeah. to taste the coffee from Congo. <laughs> that's right. I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I'll I'll have to send you a send you a link to to that, but okay. that's not the reason that we were going to uh, have you on and and talk today. Uh, you are the lead editor on a book that is newly out as we release this episode. Uh, it is a a uh, book in the Sage uh, Handbook series. And I thought before we got into the book itself, you know, maybe not all of our listeners know about the Sage Handbook series. And I know you're very familiar with the Sage Handbook series. So what is the Sage Handbook series and uh, how have you been involved with that? And, and why do we need a Sage Handbook of online higher education? Yes, uh, I've been involved with uh, Sage Publications um, uh, for the past, I think, I would say four years. Uh, the first project I was working on was the Sage Handbook of Qualitative Research in the Asian Context. And as I was finishing that, immediately I saw the need that we had for on online higher education because that was the middle of uh, COVID-19. Mm. And uh, everybody at that time I was... Uh, I was back to Africa to serve in Africa, and uh, the challenge was real. I remember being involved in a, a national committee to to establish national standards for online education in a university setting, and uh, basically the the structure was not in place. Everybody was trying to find. Uh, knowledge and expertise on online higher education and expertise was highly limited. Uh, and this was not unique to, to Africa. Um, as you read the literature, you find that it was common to many countries. I, I would say outside of the United States, many universities were caught unprepared and everybody had to move quickly online to be able to survive. So this raised the need for a new handbook that would be like one one step where people can can learn most of what they need to be able to operate online from the, the, the faculty to the administrators to instructional designers to the technology people um, to accreditation people quality assurance we needed something that is just one tool 
that will help everyone. And look at it from the international perspective, not just the American perspective, because a number of books that we have on the topic are written in the United States, but they're not 100% applicable to the world outside. So that's how this idea came up. No, that's great. So the Sage Handbooks, here's my layperson attempt at, at articulating this, but you, you correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, they're big books. They're, they're yes. lengthy books, and they, yes. they attempt to be comprehensive. Um, and each chapter um, is not so much uh, zoomed in and narrow. It's, it, it has something unique to offer, but, but tries to catch that topic from a lot of different angles and, and be practical. Is that, is that right? That is correct. Um, I would say uh, the, every handbook must be comprehensive on the topic, the central topic, and in this case was online higher education, so it had to be very comprehensive. So SAGE requires that a handbook must have at least 36 chapters. At least 36 At chapters. least 36 chapters. And so uh that's that's how it goes and i think in this one we had like 50 chapters it's, mm -hmm. it's quite huge a large wealth of knowledge and yes uh there is usually the tendency to have the practical side and the research side in handbooks mm -hmm. uh as far as sage is concerned although personally um, I'm working now on my third handbook. I always want to do a lot more of the practical side mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I really want to put something practical in the hands of people so that mm -hmm. they can use that, implement that immediately um, in relation to the topic that we're working on. So the handbook that we had was a lot more practical than a theoretical. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think about scholarly practice, I think, right? There's a There's a... There's a scholarly framing. It's yes. not a, a completely, uh, say, popular-focused mm -hmm. uh, book, but mm -hmm. practical within that scholarly context. I, that's I think correct. That's, I think that's right. Now, now, Safari, let's get real for a second. Are you asking all of our listeners to go out and personally purchase this very large um more than $20 book? Is that what you're asking people to do? <laughs> well, on one hand, it is um, it's ideal, although I understand how expensive 50 chapters can be. Uh, and this comes from, I think, more than 100 contributors from um, several countries. I, I lost count how many countries were involved in this project. This is a monumental project. Um, yes, it is a little pricey. Uh, so the primary the primary way of getting a copy is to ask your librarians to actually purchase a copy because it's mm -hmm. fairly expensive mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. if your life is always online you're a director of online mm -hmm. education you you know you know that this is my life for the this is my primary role it won't hurt it would be a good investment if you can get your own copy but at least make sure that your library gets a copy or two copies. Some, some libraries may get more than one copy. And that is very, very helpful because there's a lot of gems that are packed in that handbook. You know, I'm, um, I'm at a new institution, as you know, and some of our listeners know, and my, my office where I'm sitting 
today speaking with you. If I were to go right out the front door, uh, I'm in the library, and fortunately, straight out my little door, uh, I go right into the education section. And so I went looking not too long ago, and I, I strolled through the, the stacks of the library, and I ran across uh, several sage handbooks on related topics, topics related to higher education or, or uh, public school education and so forth. And, and indeed, they're hardcover and they're, they're yes. thick and there they are on the library shelves. And, <laughs> and I thought, well, look at that. I, I hope that our library will, will purchase this book. And I, and I wrote the dean of the libraries and I said, would you please consider? And that's what our listeners can do. They can, yes. they can reach out to their library dean or director and say, would you please, would you please buy this? It will help our community. And then you can check it out for free. Uh, yes. Or as Safari says, you can uh, invest mm. your money and, and get this significant book. Yeah, so that's, that's the end of the commercial part of, uh, <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> but give us, a, give us a taste of this, Safari. You've said broadly uh, international perspective, um, mm. and you've said 50 chapters. But what, mm. what can our listeners expect to find in this book? This book it really covers all the different dimensions of, uh, of online higher education. We start by defining it, we go into instructional design issues, we go into programs, how to plan online programs, how to ensure that we have quality in online classes and online programs, accreditation, we go into evaluation assessment, how to grade, how to teach online, how to um, to provide students support, how to conduct, to help students conduct research, how to set up online lab laboratories, um, how to deal with technology, how to support students with technology, with their registration, with the enrollment, how to market their online programs. Um, how to make sure we, they have access to quality library resources because we're dealing with the on online higher education. Uh, so it's a holistic um, dimension. I would say a 360 pers uh, degree perspective of mm -hmm. uh, online higher education. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. And you have uh, one whole section, right, that is... Uh uh, geographically or geo, I don't know, geo something. Uh, yes. There are geographical constructs, right, of like, here's the American perspective on yes. uh, online higher education. Here's the European perspective. Here's, Correct. so sometimes it's not just an individual country, but a, a region. But uh, the, what, do, what did you see as you looked across those chapters? What kind of... Uh, takeaways did you have knowing that you wanted a more representative international view in such a handbook as you reviewed those uh, those geographically oriented chapters what themes did you see some of the things that I learned were which was not really uh, surprising was that each region had a different level of online higher education. Right. Um, we had a chapter in the United, on the United States, one on the Canada, because these, we assume they had really gone far with their, with their online education. Mm -hmm. um, but we had one chapter on the Europe, mm -hmm. chapter with Asia, 
one in Africa, on Africa, one with Latin America, Central and Latin America. And you could see that different regions have different challenges. Mm-hmm. And so understanding these challenges, if, for example, somebody was asked to go and be a consultant in, uh, in places like this, then mm-hmm. they have an idea what mm-hmm. is happening. And each chapter they would talk about uh, the different bodies of research or communities uh, of, of practice that were in the region that were kind of uh, strengthening online higher education. And of course, there was research coming from those, uh, those places, telling people exactly what was happening. And I thought that was a, a great contribution because for us here who are in the West, we, we have the tendency to just look at online education and think only in the, on the, about the United States, for example, for us who are in the United States. Um, but if, if I'm presenting now uh, at a conference and it happened to be in Dubai, Mm-hmm. I can just quickly look at the chapter that came from the Middle East. We had one chapter in the Middle East and see, okay, what are the things that are happening there so that my talk will be much more relevant. If I'm asked to go and teach a class there, what should I actually know? So I think this was a major contribution of the regional chapters telling mm-hmm. us what, was hap- what is happening in those regions. That's wonderful. As, uh, as we begin to wrap up, I wonder if you might... Uh dream a little bit and uh, think with us uh, and encourage our listeners to think along with you. Where do you want to go with this? I mean, do you, do you think we need to have more of an international perspective? And, and if so, how do we pursue that? W- what are you hoping to see next spinning off of this book? <laughs> One thing that I'm, uh, I, I can imagine coming up, hopefully in the next few months, is to have a summit on online higher education, where we're going to bring the the community of uh, practice from all over the world. Let's not, since online education doesn't have any geographical boundaries, let's bring this conversation together. It will be just one day, uh, just one day summit, where we're going to look at online education from different regions, and address some of the pressing needs. For example, uh, online assessment. Everywhere I have worked, I worked in Asia and Africa and and also here in the US, uh, online assessment has always been a challenge. And so Mm -hmm. uh, we have topics like that that I want us to discuss and bring people in a live session where we're going to have this discussion. And another one, I'm working on another handbook that we focus on instructional designers specifically, mm-hmm. because we have come to realize that this is a, a major area if we want quality of uh, quality online higher education. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, we'll love to uh, share more of what you're uh, doing in both of those spaces with our listeners and uh, in the future as developments unfold. So glad you're able to join us today, Safari, and uh, telling us a little bit about this important work. And and hey, TopCast listeners, you should go out and uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. You should grab that link and send it to your library director or dean. Take a look at the table of contents and the reviews yourself. and, and talk this up in our community. It is, it is a great international perspective on uh, our core field of online higher education. Thank you so much for joining us today, Safari. Thank you so much, Kelvin. It was a pleasure to be with you today. So Kelvin, that was your interview with Safari. 
I enjoyed listening to that. Yeah, he's a great guy. I, and of course, I, he's got one of those voices that's just, you know, smooth like butter. I mean, he could say anything. He could give me bad news. I'd listen to him probably. Yeah, his, I mean, I've, you know, friends of mine who have, who are from Africa and the Caribbean, I just, I find those accents just so musical and I could listen mm -hmm. to him talk all day long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, Listening back uh, to that again, I, I, I really kind of hone in on this global aspect of the book and the work and all that. And I was, I guess, quite taken with, uh, I think Safari maybe did it two different times. He kind of framed up kind of pitches of like why you might pull the book off the shelf if you had access to it. Like, but they're, they're very practical pitches, right, about why would you reach for this book? and but they were all related to our connection to the the international community like maybe you're going to you're going to teach a student who's from somewhere else or you're going to consult in another country or you're teaching an online class or presenting at a conference in another country uh the handbook would be a good starting place he says yeah agreed um i do like the the practicality of it i mean you did underscore the fact that it's it's not bereft of research. There's research in there, mm -hmm. but um, but there is a real practical aspect to it. Mm -hmm. So that you know, it is a handbook after all. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. um, for people who are in a kind of administrative or even an instructional designish kind of role, but I think it's mostly kind of geared at the administrative level. Um, th there's a lot of of useful, like applicable information in there that um, that you could use right away. Yeah, I think so. You know, I um, I will say that there probably is something in there for, for everybody, and especially if, like, your library had it or whatever, um, and you wanted to flesh out something that you're not, you know, uh, as well-versed in. I like how Safari put it, holistic 360-degree perspective, I think he said. Uh, I, think, I think that's not bad. But I keep getting stuck with this thing, and I, I wonder what you think about this, because I think we, you and I have talked about this a few times off mic, but how much do our North American or maybe Western generally listeners really know about online education around the world? Uh, it seems like to me, I mean, just going through the, the editing process, reading lots of stuff from lots of people from lots of places, uh, there's always stuff to learn. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we do have a kind of American-centric lens through which we look at education. And it, and it makes sense, right? Mm, yeah. and, and within that, um, there are sub-lenses between public and private and other kinds of different, you know, slices of, of education. But there are nuanced differences around the world, you know, like... Mm -hmm. In our chapter, we kind of wrote about the North American context, or American context. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk about the kind of federalist structure mm -hmm. of education where it's at the states kind of run higher ed um, with some very vague funding oversight in, in the federal level at D.C. But in other countries, there might be a ministry of education that is much mm -hmm. more controlling of what happens at individual school levels um, than happens here. And if you're not used to that, I don't think you have an appreciation for the impact that that can have on policy and practice at an institutional school level. And um, 
the difference between public and private. And so I remember being in um, Brazil at a conference and I was speaking at and having the conversations with people from other countries. And this was a group of um, private schools that were together, a consortium that I was speaking to. And they were basically saying that the public schools are the premier schools in Brazil. And the public schools are the ones that get all the state funding and the mm -hmm. best students go there. And the private schools sort of have to be scrappy and kind of compete. And hmm. it was almost an inversion of here where it's the private schools that tend to be at the top of the elite hierarchy in, in the hmm. United States. And, you know, I think every country is going to be a little bit different in that way. And, and I think this book, one of the unique things about it, the values of it, hmm. is that it does bring a, a truly global perspective. And, um, and that's, that's rare these days. No, that's right. And, and I guess we'd re be remiss if we, um, allowed you, dear listeners, to think that this is only about kind of a treatment around the world. There's, we did not get into all the, the depth. We'll put a link in the show notes to the, the table of contents and, uh, and to the, you know, to the publisher's website. You could, 50 chapters, 50, count them, 57 50. sections. <laughs> there's it's something in there for everyone, yes. <laughs> More than 600 pages in this book. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff, but it's good. I like it. You should buy it. No, you shouldn't buy it. You should ask your library director to buy it. Yeah, have the library buy it. And <laughs> then that way everybody can take advantage of it. Right? That's right. Shall I uh, try to put the plane on the runway, Tom? Yes, you should. So by way of summation, uh, we might say that our world might be smaller than ever before thanks to digital networked technologies, but as online education professionals, we run the risk of being overly provincial still if we don't attend to the experiences and insights from colleagues around the world. As I like to say, in a lot of different contexts, we are better together. Absolutely. That's great. It was great to, to hear from Safari. Um, maybe we can get him in person one of these days. That would be awesome. Yeah. All right. Until next time, for TopCast, I'm Tom. I'm Kelvin. See ya.